stand for the reading of the word. Today's scripture is James 1, 19 through 27. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and spotless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. It was exciting last week to have, you know, have everybody together. And then I realized, but then it's going to be like having two different churches, right? Because I come in and I get to see the 9 o'clock crowd, the early morning crowd, and then I get to see the later group. So welcome. Glad that you're here today. This summer, as we are getting acquainted with one another, we're going to explore this and that. This is our summer sermon series on the early Christian letter of James. Together, we're going to claim the wisdom, encouragement, and the hope that inspired the Christian believers for generations. Now, last week, we talked about trials and temptations. It was fun, wasn't it? We were invited to consider it pure joy when facing such things. One of our guiding illustrations was about the potter who thumps a pot to see if it thuds or if it sings. Now this past week, how many of you experienced some thumps? Right? I certainly did, Lord have mercy. Yet if you faced these thumps, did you thud or did you sing? For me personally, let's just say that my voice is going to need to do some warming up before I can sing this week. But today, we are focusing on listening and doing. We're going to challenge ourselves as individuals and as a church that we cannot just listen to the word of God. We must always do what it says. Now, you are invited to follow along as we dig into God's word today. The page number for our pew Bibles, uh, you may have seen listed on the screen. And you are always welcome to bring your own personal Bible and or to use the Bible app on your mobile devices. Just make sure that you let your neighbors know that you are, in fact, looking at a, uh, using your Bible app and you're not, you know, on social media and texting your grocery list, you know. But let's join together in prayer. Almighty God, open our ears that we may hear your word. 
Open our eyes that we may see your glory in our midst and open our hearts that we might know your spirit's presence with us in these moments. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Think before you speak. How many of you have ever heard this phrase? Think before you speak. These were the words that I grew up with, spoken by my late father, Ken Price. He was a teacher at Syracuse Dunbar Avoca Junior High and High School for 32 years. Interestingly enough, he actually taught at least five people who now attend Faith Westwood. Isn't that interesting? As an English teacher, Mr. Price shared all kinds of wise nuggets with students, emphasizing in his classroom respect for self, respect for others, respect for others' property. He would say, if it's meant to be, it is up to me. And he also had a great sense of humor with us at home when he would answer the phone when it would ring he'd say speak to me oh ye golden lips <laughs> he would ask my boyfriends if they believed in premarital interdigitation <laughs> now wait a minute that's holding hands don't get too excited in addition to the think before you speak, Mr. Price believed that every human being was born with something that he called the think-speak filter. Not everything that we think should be spoken. Amen. And yet, unfortunately, there are people who seem to be born without a filter to which we simply respond, wow. Now, honestly, if everyone used their think-speak filters, there just might be fewer opportunities for miscommunication and some of the challenges that James brings to light in his letter. So as we put these verses into context today, we need to remember some of the goals of the letter of James. He was deeply concerned with believers having a strong faith and then growing into spiritual maturity. He knew very well that these Jewish Christians living in and around Jerusalem were not perfect, yet they could be encouraged in how they were living out their faith in Jesus Christ and how they were interacting with one another, with and even without words. There can be no doubt that the Christian church was affected by humanity's weaknesses, especially when it came to their emotions. So it makes sense that James writes, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The word anger first appears in the book of Genesis. We see how God's people sin because of their anger. And we also experience, we also experience the ways that that God wants to shape the people to understand that anger has its place. And there is a time that God is going to get angry when people sin. The psalmist recognized the ugliness of anger and continued to emphasize, in, like in Psalms like Psalm 145, 8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Of course, the wisdom literature of Proverbs emphasizes the power of anger. From Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who's easily angered. That comes from Proverbs 22.24. 
Mockers stir up a city, but the wise turn away anger from Proverbs 29.8. Now in the Gospels, we often think about that righteous anger that Jesus had, especially when he overturned the tables of the money changers at the temple. Anger is also a big theme in the early Christian church letters. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians and Colossians such things as, In your anger do not sin, and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. But now you must also rid yourselves as all things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. James encouraged the early church to get rid of all moral filth and evil that was prevalent. You know, those things that could lead to one becoming angry in those not-so-righteous ways. I really want you to think about the last time that you were angry. I mean really angry. Now, I don't want to stir up the issues that caused it, so I don't want to see any elbows out there, okay? No elbows out there between couples or friends, parents, neighbors, children, etc. It's important for us to recognize that anger is this human emotion that we are going to struggle with from time to time. There are little things that get our goat, and then there are these big things that cause us to display incredible Hulk kinds of moments. And in our anger, we say and do things that are not very kind, loving, compassionate and certainly not righteous there is a reason that the word of God names anger so many times in the Bible because it is an emotion that causes us to need God's divine intervention as well as the grace and forgiveness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so if you and I cannot avoid anger then we need to deal with it in healthy ways how can we do that we can pray it out we can talk it out. We can exercise it out, right? And we can even weed it out. Meaning literally, go out and pull some weeds in the garden or in the flower beds. It's great stress relief and you're taking out your anger on those weeds. Sounds like a win-win to me. The bottom line is that anger is a powerful emotion and it can cause us to sin. It can hurt our relationship with God and with one another. And as much damage as it can do to us as individuals, anger can also cause much stress and distress in the church too. James knew this fact all too well. So in order to produce the righteousness that God desired in complete humility, the believers were encouraged to accept the word that was planted in them. And that word that was planted inside of them could actually save them. We can imagine that the original hearers and listeners of these words were taking them all in and remembering what had been planted inside of them. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that transformed their lives. Yes, these Jewish Christians in Jerusalem knew exactly what James was talking about. Ah, that was part of the problem, wasn't it? <laughs> James knew that they knew about this and that from the word of God. They knew the Torah, the Psalms, the wisdom literature. Now they knew the gospel message. 
And James still said, do not merely listen to the word as so to deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Pretty sure that those early scrolls didn't use capitalization, yet James would have if he could have. Because if you listen to the word but don't always do what it says, you are like someone who looks in the mirror and immediately forgets what you look like. That sounds absurd, doesn't it? Of course, when we look into the mirror, we remember what we just saw, including stray hairs, gray hairs, wrinkles, and blemishes. We may not always see what our creator sees, yet we know what we look like. Again, it is absurd to imagine not remembering something so basic. Then why would someone listen to the word and neglect to respond accordingly? There are plenty of human excuses, right? Like time and energy, apathy. Think about how destructive it was for the early church believers to listen to the word, but to fail to do what it says. And imagine those, those Christians who were so excited to hear the good news message. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Yet the stuff in life got in the way before they could respond to what they heard. And when they failed to share the good news, let alone live it out, the Christian witness lacked its spiritual fervor. Those religious leaders and teachers of the law, I'll call them the C's, they were experts at failing to live out the word that they heard. You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They followed the letter of the law while ignoring the true spirit of the law. They called out those that they deemed hypocrites when Jesus pointed out that the real hypocrites, they were the real hypocrites in that day. James, I know, doesn't use that particular word in our focus passage, yet it is implied, isn't it? James was most concerned with those Christians who were perfectly content with listening to the word, but could walk away without it affecting them very much. James remembered how Jesus experienced this. The rich man walked away sadly because he had great wealth. The religious men who were compelled to do the right thing actually bypassed a wounded man on the side of the road. The ten lepers that were cleansed completely, but only one would turn around and say thank you. Now we hear and listen to a lot of great things from the Bible, don't we? Including, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do to others as you would have others do to you. Love and forgive your enemies. Ask and you will receive. Pray without ceasing. We are really good at the hearing and listening part. Yet, we too may forget the doing part. How many times are we hearing and listening to other things in our lives and acting upon them? Do we need some examples? We hear about a new soft drink or energy drink, and we go out and buy it. We hear about a good recipe, we go get all the ingredients, and we try it. We hear about a good book or movie, and we seek it out. We hear some really good gossip, and we check it out. 
We hear a silly bit of trivia and we Google it to learn more. We hear about Prime Day and we go and purchase something. See? We are hearing and listening to things that, that are not biblical or even spiritual every single day. When we hear and listen to the word of God, we must put these righteous and spiritual things into practice so that they become a very routine part of our lives. The truth is that in our day, we, we think about those who have heard the word yet really don't engage with it, and we may call them lukewarm, nominal, or even sideline Christians. We try not to be judgy about them, and judgy is a word. We try not to be judgy, but then our humanity steps in, and we think about how they get all of the same benefits of the church as those who attend worship every single Sunday, those who are able to tithe to church and charity, and who are able to engage in mission projects. And yet sometimes we have to realize that being lukewarm or on the sideline is better than not being connected to Christ and the church at all. This is a real challenge for any church. How do we be equally concerned with those who are on the inside as well as those who are on the outside and, and those who only have one step in the door? And how do we do this well since going through a global pandemic and facing other key, key issues of our day? I have served a number of churches, and some of them wanted me to spend all of my time outside in the community while maintaining 40 hours in the office every week. They wanted to make sure that if someone from the outside showed up, that I was there. Now we have this amazing online component in church with, where church, church folks can be connected and they can sign in with a comment to worship, or they can choose to remain unknown to the church as they worship. Now, by the way, online folks, we want you to connect. We care about you. And on-site folks, please connect with us because we care about you. Whether you are new to this congregation, whether you are lifetime members and partners in this mission and ministry, or whether you are somewhere in between, please know that you are welcome, you are accepted, and you are loved. James wants to get the message out to all Christians that God's word has been active in the past, God's word is active in the present, and God's word will be active in the future. In fact, James emphasizes that the word is the perfect law of freedom. The law is freedom? This may sound seemingly contradictory or like an oxymoron. How can the law be part of freedom? First, let's think about this in very practical terms. We have traffic laws. For the most part, they are great. Speed bumps and speed limits, traffic lights and traffic signs, putting away cell phones and newspapers. We need these traffic laws. And when we have these laws, we have the freedom to drive, believing that most of the time we're going to get to our destination safely. Without these laws, there would be chaos. 
Can you imagine navigating right-of-way at a four-way stop without any laws? Can you imagine no yield signs in a traffic circle or roundabout? You get the point. For Christians, by restricting such things as old bad habits and by being obedient to Jesus, Christians can actually have greater freedom to do what matters most. And just a reminder that what matters most is your faith. Your faith in Jesus Christ and how you live out that faith. Jesus says that there is blessing in this. James says that there is blessing in this. Hang on to that thought because we're going to return to it in just a few moments. And while James was talking about producing the righteousness that God desires and listening to the word and doing what it says, he also has something to say about being religious too. Anyone who considers themselves religious has to keep a rein on their tongues. We're actually going to dedicate an entire message to this theme as we focus on chapter 3 very soon. Yet James presents it here too. If Christians don't think about the words that they are choosing and using, they deceive, they deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Yikes. But again, James is blunt and isn't afraid to say what needs to be said. This, this sounds like a great place to use that think-speak filter, right? But re remember that, that James is a practical guy for the church and God's people, and his primary goal is spiritual maturity. For James, Christian faith that is mature demonstrates itself through listening and doing. Yet it also demonstrates itself by being careful about living out your faith in what is called religion. The kind of religion that God accepts is pure and faultless. That means that it is lived out of pure motives. And James says that it does two important things. Number one this religion looks after orphans and widows in their distress. And number two, the religion motivates one to keep oneself from being polluted from the world. The Christian faith was founded on the principles of God's kingdom, taught by Jesus Christ. All people have sacred worth. All people are welcome and invited to experience God's love. Jesus reminded the disciples and the crowds that they needed to care for those who needed help. There were populations of God's people who were most vulnerable. Unfortunately, in ancient days, children and women were the most vulnerable. The culture perpetuated this fact, and so others had to care for them. We could say that things are much better in our day, but children and women are still vulnerable because of abuse, human trafficking, all of the isms that pervade our world. So just like Jesus and his brother James emphasized, our religion and faith should motivate us to strive to care for those who are most vulnerable in our midst. Like I lifted up last week, one of the things that Faith Westwood does and does well is offers a food pantry, addressing food insecurity for the most vulnerable in our neighborhood and in 
this city. Now, while the world might get a bad rap by James, in spiritual terms, we have to recognize that the world is at war with the kingdom of God. To keep oneself from being polluted by the world, Christians needed to remember that the life that they had before they chose a life with Christ. Most Christians remember that time before Jesus came into their lives. And after Jesus came into their hearts, most likely there was a change in one's head and heart and spirit. And this change involved letting go of the past as well as bad habits and behaviors. Unfortunately, the world keeps pulling people back into those old patterns and behaviors. Right now, our air quality has been deeply affected by the smoke in Canada. People are suffering from allergies, asthma, and lung problems due the, to this pollution. So just like that, the world's values affect the kingdom values that Christians are trying to follow. To avoid being polluted, we go back to those tactics that, that we can use to deal with our anger. Again, we can pray it out, talk it out, exercise it out, and we must weed it out. Biblical scholar N.T. Wright, one of my favorites, says that essentially James is saying this. All right, you want to follow in God's way? Here's how. There are people out there who need your help. And there is a messy world out there that will try to mess up your life as well. Make sure that you focus on the first and avoid the second. Now, since the primary goal of James is spiritual maturity, I would like for you to think of someone in your life that fulfills this theme of listening and doing. Who has been quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry? Who has the best filter and yet always speaks the truth in love to you? Who seems to stay committed to their faith and can easily avoid being polluted by the world. One of the spiritually mature people that I have been thinking about is my bestie, Reverend Stephanie Wall-Brown, who serves in Kansas, just north of Topeka. I cannot, I cannot count the number of times that I've been whiny and complaining about something, and she has spoken the truth in love to me. She always has this amazing ability to come alongside me with empathy and compassion. And yet there are moments that she gets upset. She gets very upset when I somehow have a lack of faith. And when my spiritual immaturity is showing. She just knows how to bring me back to center. And bring me back to Jesus Christ. Of course, that's just one person in my life. I can name several people who have demonstrated themselves to be spiritually mature and a strong influence on my faith. The truth is, we need these spiritually mature and wise owls in our lives to keep us focused on the main thing. And what is the main thing? Our faith. And who is the main thing? Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you, how can you honor these spiritually mature people in your life? Write a note. Say thank you. 
Tell someone else about that person and the difference that they have made in your life by allowing the good news of the gospel to come alive for you. Again, God's word has been active in the past. God's word is active in the present, and God's word will be active in the future. And going back to the beginning of the message and coming full circle, we remember that James wrote to these new Christian believers that the living word was planted in them and can save them. This truth is powerful for us. The living word has been planted in you and can save you. Amen? Doesn't this fact make you feel grateful and thankful and blessed? Then just as the, the letter of James feels like reading a book of Proverbs, glean those amazing nuggets from this section of the letter as well as their applications. Hear them again. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Be slow to get angry. Listen to the word of God. Do what it says. Remember what you look like. Remember that Christians have freedom. Keep a rein on your tongue. Look after the people who need help. Remember that the world is messy, so avoid the pollution. Oh, and for goodness sake, use your think-speak filter. Gleaning what it means to be listening and doing and what it means to claim this and that makes a spiritual difference in the ways that you and I can be true to our religion and especially true to our Jesus. In his holy name, amen. I want you to get comfortable where you are seating, where you're seated right now, and I want you to open your minds, your hearts, and maybe even open your hands as we come together in prayer. Almighty and gracious and ever-loving God, we come before you. Wow, God, James is filled with some wisdom, wisdom that we need to claim in our own day. So help us to have those ears to listen. Help us to trust in, in your holy word. And God, we know that just like this past week, that there are going to be ways that these words are put to the test. Reminding us that we have been called to be your people. To be obedient to your word to believe in Jesus and to trust the power of the Holy Spirit as it guides us and leads us on our journey. Help us to be fruitful. Help us to be faithful. And help us to know that we are loved, we are accepted, and we are welcomed into your family. God, we pray this in your holy and gracious name. Amen.